0: Sri Lanka, an island nation off the southeast coast of India. A history that intertwines with the Portuguese, the British, and the Dutch. Largely Buddhist, with two official languages, Sinala and Tamil, known for its unique Sri Lankan elephant and leopard. Known worldwide for its spices, Sri Lanka is also the second largest exporter of tea. There's two are special kind of tea in Sri Lanka. This is the golden tea and the silver tea. Okay. Silver tea, famous. As Today, on the edge of adventure, our focus is Sri Lanka and the precious people there who make their living picking tea leaves, one by one. Tim Pair joins me today. He's the co-founder at Tea Leaf Trust, where they've chosen to stand by the people of Sri Lanka, to stand with them, to serve and teach and empower together. Life beyond status quo. This is where adventure meets purpose, where we get to know those who live life beyond status quo. My name is Adam Asher, and this is the Edge of Adventure podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Edge of Adventure podcast. My name is Adam Asher. Great to have you with us and great to welcome to the program all the way from New Zealand on the northern island. Tim Pear is joining us from Tea Leaf Trust. Tim, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Adam. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me.
0: It's called Tea Leaf Trust. So put that into context for us. What is the connection with tea leaves?
1: So we work up in the tea estates in the mountains in Sri Lanka. So where most of us would get uh, some of our wonderful warm cuppers from that uh, maybe give us a little bit of comfort when we feel down. Maybe um, give us a little bit of a reason to put the kettle on and have a biscuit or a piece of cake. You know, that's the tea comes. A lot of the high quality tea comes from these tea estates up in Sri Lanka. And yeah, so we work predominantly with 18 to 26 year olds and their communities Across around 60 tea estates up in the hills in Sri Lanka.
0: Tim, life for those picking the tea leaves, that's their way of making a living. What are their lives like?
1: Oh, well, I mean, first of all, you know, full of moments of laughter and resourcefulness and um, family kinship and, um, you know, all of those really positive things. But that's in the face of and despite of the conditions that they live in rather than because of. So, you know, if you walked into any of our classrooms at our schools, you'd find 16 out of the 20 students who lived at home with an alcoholic, male alcoholic, and maybe you'd find 17 out of 20 whose um, mum or the women in their home suffered from domestic violence. The salary scale is not enough to live off. So they're constantly in debt from one month to another. The pay system is incredibly complex, so they are unable to plan and have that kind of financial, even short-term planning that allows you to make the best decisions. The education system is, um, in my view, deliberately behind the rest of the country in order to maintain an uneducated dependent workforce. What else? I mean, 92% of the students at our school live off less than a dollar a day. And the um, under five malnutrition rates are comparable to East Africa. So we talk about Sri Lanka as this idyllic, lower middle income country. And in many ways, and particularly for the urban centers, that may well be true. But the experience of the people who pick our tea and give us that warmth and comfort, maybe every morning as we get ready for our day ahead, they and their families don't experience the same kind of comfort.
0: We are going to get to know this heart that you and your wife both have. I know that you both together co-founded Tea Leaf Trust, and you're both there in New Zealand, but you have this presence and this work in Sri Lanka. And so we're going to get to know your heart because there's clearly something about the people there that have called out to you. And for some reason, you decided you had to do something about it. When did that start for you? And and I guess sort of a joint question, blend these two questions. When did that heart for these people start for you? And when did Tea Leaf Trust start? Did all that happen at the same time?
1: It pretty much happened at the same time. I think the precursor to the story was me becoming, as a white British man, becoming um, more aware of the impact our small nation has had on the rest of the world. So I think that that was the foundational kind of background from my side. My wife is half Irish, half Pakistani. So both countries affected by the British Empire. And so she's, you know, she, she's not on the same journey as I am, and she could speak to it differently. But essentially for us both together, we got married in 2007, and we went on honeymoon to Sri Lanka because her best friend is Sri Lankan. And uh, she'd been out there once, but she'd only really done a rally tour, which is when she goes around with her friend and her friend's new baby to see all of her friend's relatives rather than explore the country. So we went back out on our honeymoon. And during our honeymoon, we had an overnight stay in a place called the Tea Factory Hotel, which is a converted tea factory. And while we were there, the shorter version of the story is that I got myself into a discussion with the general manager and I was really upset with the um, response uh, and the way that they were uh, using tourist money to essentially camouflage the poverty of the tea estates by painting the roofs of the houses green. And there was something in that moment of that camouflage, of that we don't want them to be seen, that really upset me. And um, a few other little things happened in the conversation. But really, that, that was the root of, of it. We went on a walk around the tea estates the next day the next morning, really early. And we took the wrong turns deliberately from the map given to us by the hotel. And I think that that was probably the key moment that we realized that we had to do something. And then when we came back in January, so we came back in November, start of December uh, 2007, and uh, in March by March time 2008, we were pretty much registered as Tea Leaf Trust
0: this is the edge of adventure my name is adam asher and we're talking today with tim Pear, who is joining us from tea leaf trust and so far we've gotten this grip on kind of your heart and the concerns that you had for the people there at the time and, and a little bit about their life you know what life is like for these wonderful people of Sri lanka hard-working people who perhaps don't have the same advantages that many of us do have i think now we need to dig in a little bit here to tea leaf trust You guys empower and help to empower impoverished people and give them this opportunity for employment and this opportunity for better education. Help me understand that a little bit more. Let's go deeper into that. The heart and the soul and the mission of Tea leaf Trust is what?
1: I mean, to start off, we want to make sure that it is run by Sri Lankans for Sri Lankans. That's right at the heart of what we do. So to give it some context, we now employ 44 people through tea leaf trust and they're all sri lankan and they are all from the tea estate areas and they are all graduates of our program apart from three of them who we actually taught in our first year when we were out in sri lanka so that's at the heart of tea leaf trust is that notion that young people from the communities actually know the solutions that they need and they're able to deliver and lead those solutions but what they need are the resources and opportunities and support So really our role now is the fundraising and some of the strategic help. Um, In terms of the essence of what it's about, it's about two different things. or we have two key aims, I should say. One is, yeah, to to give the young people an option of whether they would like to find employment off the T estates. So that means giving them English, giving them IT skills, making sure that they know how to write a CV, how to... Show up for work. What a handshake. What a, you know. How to go through those professional kind of employability stuff. And you know that's the easy bit of what we do. We find that what we you know that's a struggle in a pandemic, but um, generally that's pretty easy. The second bit was the more complicated one, which we still work on all the time. Which is how do you get young people from really complex, problematic, wonderful and problematic backgrounds? How do you get them to the point where they are empowered? I really don't like the word, so what I is too general. So what I mean by empowered is capable of leadership, emotionally resilient, um, able to plan and deliver projects that create change from the grassroots within their T state community. So how do you how do you get these young people a committed to b understanding the need for but see, I guess, understanding how to go about grassroots kind of, not really activism, it's a lot more service-led, you know, that servant leadership piece. How do you do that? So those are our two key aims. We largely work, as I said, with 18 to 26 years old through a full-time one-year program. But during that program, they go out on a Wednesday afternoon and they teach 9 to 11-year-olds basic English. And so every Wednesday afternoon, our school closes and we have around 3,000 children gaining um, free English lessons, uh, or they go out and they run a six-week service project to help people, and so we try and put practical education. This is our school that has been transformed into this wonderful fair, and about 800 members of the community come down over a weekend, because it's a small town with not much going on, so an annual fair at our school becomes one of the highlights, And uh, the deal is simply that they've made their business case, they've done their SWOT analysis, they've shown us their budget, they've applied for a loan from our Bank of Tea Leaf Trust, and um, they've negotiated an interest rate. And then they advertise it uh, through their IT skills, making the posters. And uh, if they make a profit, uh, well, if they make a loss, they have to pay it back. And remember, 90% of them live off less than a dollar a day. So that's quite an incentive. But if they make a profit, which they all, always do, we take them on a school trip at the end of the year uh, and any balance goes into the school library. So, But the real thing that happens is that they actually practically learn and gain the confidence.
0: Tim Pear is my guest today, joining us from Tea Leaf Trust. And as I listen to you talk, I always think sort of my job as as the host is to ask the questions that the listener might have. How old are the kids well, most of the time? The the students are how old, give or take?
1: So between 18 and 22 would be most of them uh, in terms of our full-time program. Um, but essentially our main program, which is our one year full-time free, I mean, it's not free, just to pause there because the 18 to 24 year olds have to give up a year of work So it's not free for their families, but from our side, not only is it free, but we sponsor 25% of people's bus fares. But yeah, 18 to 26 is the criteria, but most of them sit within the 18 to 22. And all of our 44 staff are under 33 and most of them are under 25.
0: And you're stepping in at Tea Leaf Trust and you're bringing hope and uh, potential opportunities and this chance to learn and grow without that or prior to being exposed to tea leaf trust and having those opportunities what what do you think the average mindset is of a young person there in sri lanka what what is their life like and why then is tea leaf trust so appealing
1: i mean that's just a beautiful question adam because we i, I often talk about this as the poverty of hope you know, that's that's the poverty that these young people come into us with. Now, I guess what that looks like is that they have an understanding from birth. Generally, you know, their great grandmother was a tea picker. Their grandmother was a tea picker. Their mom's a tea picker. They're going to be a tea picker. Their grandkids are going to be a tea picker. And so what that means is a daily grind of leeches and snakes and pushing to try and pick enough tea to gain your higher level of salary. And knowing that eight months of the year, that's not going to be possible because the tea's simply not there. But if you don't hit your higher level of salary, which is a tiny amount, you're not going to be able to provide the food that your kids need. The poverty, I guess, is knowing that your mum's salary check is basically, in many cases, going to get um, taken by the male in the household and used for alcohol. And that's going to result in domestic violence. The... The poverty for the, uh, the young, young women in particular is needing to be indoors by 6.15 to 6.30 um, every night because that's when it becomes dark because there's such a degree of sexual harassment and sexual assault on the tea estates that what happens is that the, the young women's lives become increasingly constricted by protective parents and brothers, particularly but as a young man you know the young women there's a lot of uh, traditional cultures there that are difficult to make it difficult to be a young woman and arranged marriage is certainly prevalent and we've had examples of arranged marriages that essentially are are the, the young woman is left no choice but for a young man it's equally complicated i think they bear a burden of responsibility of having to earn money to look after the family they are um, the culture says that their sisters, if they have sisters, their sisters need to be married before they get married, and that they essentially are providing for their sisters' marriages. So it's a life of huge debt, and we all know from our own experiences um, that layer of um, pressure that debt, however large, can bring to our lives on a daily basis, and it just sinks into the background, doesn't it, and becomes and becomes really quite difficult to deal with over time. So when I think about hope, that's what we're trying to counter. You know, we're trying to counter young people who walk into our school in January of a year, head down, shoulders slumped, to hardly talking to anybody. And they leave us at the end of the year, shoulders back, head up, proudly talking English and seeking employment from places, you know, in offices that previously their option would have been to build them rather than to actually sit in them and work. So I think that they see that now. They see that it, they see our track record. They know people in their community who have experienced a transformation. And I think that also feeds into the hope.
0: This is The Edge of Adventure. More from my conversation with Tim Pear at T-Leaf Trust and T-Leaf Vision coming up. Quick break, though, because I'd like to invite you to join me for the social media adventure I call Rugged Compass. Rugged Compass is the growing international community of those who seek adventure and purpose. This app, which is now available in both app stores, combines the best aspects of social media, podcasting, streaming, and live video. Bringing together this network, folks like you and me, value people places and those things that matter rugged compass features travel culture language humanitarian service kindness and a vision for a better world it takes us beyond status quo into life's greatest adventure rugged compass the global network of those who are called to live bravely for something bigger than ourselves join us make the journey you're not alone Details at ruggedcompass.com. That's ruggedcompass.com. Tim Pear is my guest today, co-founder of Tea Leaf Trust and Tea Leaf Vision, my guest today here on the Edge of Adventure, and we're, we're talking Sri Lanka. You did briefly talk about what it means to be a tea leaf picker. This is a grueling job. This was the thing that struck me, you know, the task of picking these tea leaves. It's a grueling job. Describe it, though. Paint that picture for us as to, you know, a woman or a person is out there picking these tea leaves. What does that mean? Are they picking them by hand?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I've actually done it. And one of the things that we offer volunteers, so anyone listening, you know, or watching who'd like to get in touch, come out, try it. Um, because one of the things that we do is we, and you'll have seen some pictures of people doing it. So my wife and I to do a fundraiser, we went out and we did a four hour tea pick. And if I just tell you the, you know, the differences, you know, so nine months of the year, you'll have monsoon rain. That's pretty cold. We got a nice sunny day. Most of the time, the women will be picking tea on the mountain slopes. And so they'll be balancing and they'll be trying to navigate steep terrain. We had flat uh, really nice tea pick most of the time there won't be the melting months which are when the right the new fresh tea leaves are coming out in abundance because the conditions are right we have that month like we were we were all go on this and i understood was that to make the salary the even the higher level salary i have to pick 22 kilos in a day so we picked tea for four hours and i really really went at it. I I was really, really sweating and going for it. And we had perfect idyllic conditions. And to make my quota, I'd have had to pick 11 kilos and I picked six. So it is really tough. So what happens for these ladies is they'll get up at 5am, they'll go and collect wood for the fire, they'll they'll make hot water for their kids to maybe have a wash in the morning. They'll get their school dinners ready, which are mandated what they have to cook from the government. And uh, they'll go out to the tea fields, they'll go to the muster shed and link in, and then they'll go out and they'll work from about 8.30 till about 5, 5.30. And you know, sometimes they pick much more than 22 kilos, but most of the time they'll be struggling to get that just because of the uh, lack of actual fresh tea that the estate wants. There'll be 48% of them will be verbally uh, abused during work. Uh, no, 48% of them will be physically abused during work. All of them will be verbally abused during work, I would say, um, by their male, uh, field officers. Yeah. What else? Leeches, snakes, heart, You know, um, lots of spiders. That's what I remember. And really, really hard, uh, rain for most of the year.
0: This is the edge of adventure. And we're talking today with Tim Pear of tea leaf trust and he's joining us today from New Zealand and the work that tea leaf trust does is in Sri Lanka. So Sri Lanka is our country of focus today. We're also focusing on this idea of hope contrast of perhaps a hopelessness or being resigned to how it must be. And then you guys step in with the tea leaf vision and tea leaf trust and you provide a way for them to reach a different destination. When do you think that the hope sets in for a student? You talked about how they might feel at the beginning versus how they feel at at the end of the program. When do you think it starts to come clear to them that maybe they've been given an exceptional opportunity?
1: Again, really good question. I I guess now probably earlier than initially because uh, I think we've become really established in the communities. And so the families now see it as government school education, tea leaf vision center, and then onto a job or hopefully university. Now people come knowing that it makes a difference. But if I talk about it as somebody fresh coming who hadn't heard about it, I think from day one, our staff look like them and they are from a similar environment and they understand them. You know, if there's been flooding overnight, then generally one of our staff members has experienced the flooding as well in that area. And so we know how to respond. And I think that makes people hopeful because they feel as if they're seen, they feel as if they're represented and their lived experience is present within our staff team. But I think also the way that our staff speak to them as equals, and you know, they're pretty strict with them sometimes, but it's done with real kindness I think that's very different than a government school, which is largely chalk and talk, which is largely in the T estates is a lot of unqualified teachers who have been put into the T estates for the government to look as if they're meeting their responsibilities, but actually they're not. So I think that's where it starts. And then we go very quickly with a talent show, which gets these, these this is the first time these kids have worked and studied with anybody of different ethnic groups. And Sri Lanka's got quite varied ethnic. It's very multi-ethnic. So we put a talent show in there really, really quickly for them just to start getting that confidence. And it's a lot of fun. And the community comes along and there's a lot of cheering and whooping when they're on stage. And maybe they haven't ever had the opportunity to do something like that. And that happens within three months. You know, the rehearsals start and the talent show starts. I think that's when they begin to understand that this is a different kind of experience.
0: And you can look them up at tealeaftrust.com. Tea, tea Leaf Vision, they are the organization we're focusing on today. They work in Sri Lanka, talking right now with Tim Pear. He is the uh, one of the co-founders of the organization. I like to ask practical questions just to understand how an organization works. And then I also like to ask philosophical questions. Here's one of those. Why? you could choose to do something else why are you doing this
1: i don't believe in pure altruism like i think we all have selfish reasons to do good whether that's ego or whether that's um, a god that we believe in i think for me i was really tired of um being a tourist in other people's countries and seeing the lovely stuff but knowing you know, from train journeys, you often go behind main streets and the, the back view of a shop is very, very different than the front view of a shop, right? The front view of the shop's got the nice sign and it's got all of the nice kind of goods displayed and the smiling shop owner maybe, but the back of it has often got the place where the family sleeps or it's got the chickens that run around because maybe they're not making quite enough money from the shop and You just get this sense don't you sometimes that there's more and uh i was tired of being a tourist and really you know feeling as if i was i was um getting all of the good stuff and not making contributions to the country i was also um i think you know just in a good position naturally that i recently taught english in china for six months so i felt a little bit of confidence in that and at the time i was running a careers advice center in central london It's a really good question. And why Sri Lanka? I think in many ways, just because it was the holiday that we went on with, but I think particularly, particularly me, I was, I was looking for something. I was looking to scratch an itch. And so I was asking different questions than I would do on other holidays. I think.
0: This is the Edge of Adventure. Tim Pear is my guest today. And Tim's just one of those guys. He couldn't Stand by and do nothing. And I think it's interesting, Tim, you grew up in the UK, but you've been, is home now New Zealand?
1: I know this is a practical one, but for me, this is a philosophical one. Where do I feel I belong? Because it's not yet New Zealand. We've only been here two years. It's definitely not the UK. I think we still feel as if we belong in Sri Lanka. You know, that country's given us more, maybe just to dovetail in from the previous question, given us more than we have ever given it you know our daughter was born there through IVF you know which we consider to be the greatest blessing that we we could have been gifted the people are so beautiful and um, welcoming despite the history between our two countries yeah so so yeah our home practically at the moment is New Zealand and certainly my daughter feels that this is her home so I guess that means it's my home I see these photos and I just, you know, you're making me both incredibly uh, happy and and proud and nostalgic and itchy feet.
0: Tim, if you taking a minute to ponder what you guys have done and you appreciate what has been accomplished, what you've been a part of, you and your wife, your family and the people in Sri Lanka and the other partners that come alongside you and, of course, the donors I mean, if you stop and think about all that and you feel a sense of pride, then I feel like I've done my job. And then, of course, you think about the the hiccup, the the barrier that we have all been through in the last year and a half, and it's complicated everything, especially travel, and I'm sure that it has had an impact on your ability to move or go to Sri Lanka. I'm not sure when your next opportunity to go will be, but I know you're looking forward to that day.
1: Yeah, I think um, I think you're right. I think we do need to step back sometimes. Um, and I think COVID was a great example of that for us. Is that you know we we'd always aspired to have an organisation that was run by locals for locals, and COVID gave us this opportunity where we weren't able to be there. We can't be there. You know, we can't leave New Zealand at the moment because we wouldn't get back in. So. You know, when I look at these three guys here on this photo, they're they're our management team. And here's a lady with the COVID relief emergency package. But these three guys and lots of others like them during COVID, you know, they had what it looked like for them was three to four days locked inside, not locked, but inside their house, locked down inside their houses without being able to go out. And then suddenly everyone has six hours That they can go out and they can buy all of the stuff their family needs you know and a and ladushan and donald uh, who are pictured here from left to right there isn't one of them that doesn't have a really really tough time at home and have huge amounts of stuff to do but what they were doing and whole groups of our staff during covid was they were using their six hours not to look after their own families but to actually take some of the money that we raised and actually go taking out these emergency food parcels to people that we knew really, really needed it. And for me, the pride there was we had nothing to do with that. There was no no influence of ours there. We provided the money, we raised the money. And then they fed 13,000, 14,000 people. But not only that, People who really needed it because we have such a reach into the tier states that our alumni and our current students and our support, you know, people who knew us, they were all really selfish. I had to say to these people, what about your own families? You should take a COVID pack. And, oh, no, we're okay. Like, and I knew that they weren't. That's where, when I sit back and I think, what have we accomplished? We've accomplished the ability for these young people to determine their own futures and to be role models and influence the young people coming up in their communities and that's when i really really i'm feeling it now you know i i I really find would find it very easy to become very um emotional about about this you know and um yeah really proud really proud of them and and of us for you know enabling that to happen
0: Tim, one of the buzzwords in today's world is sustainability, right? We hear Mm -hmm. that in all these different contexts. You and the team, you've built an organization that is sustainable, self-sustainable. And so even though you have been temporarily brought out of the picture due to COVID and stuff like that, you you were able to have the confidence in knowing that your labor or your work leading up to that wasn't lost. It wasn't even paused. They were able to continue because you're raising up leaders. I know that's important to you. And I think job well done in that regard.
1: Yeah, thanks. I mean, there's two parts of sustainability, isn't there? And I think you're dead right in that one of them we've, I think probably the more difficult one we've managed to achieve, you know, the second part of sustainability is how do you finance something? And that's still a nut we're trying to crack i mean and i think that negative ego thing's definitely there you know we i definitely suffered a little bit from founder syndrome i've definitely had my moments of feeling a little bit useless and being a little bit my nose put out of joint with that you know but um luckily i have a very well grounded wife who's just like okay take your ego and chuck it out of the door and let's get back doing you know what's needed and i and i think that um You know, one thing I would say, and and maybe I don't want to sound at all preachy, but maybe to anybody who's considering something like this, because it's really hard, is um, be confident to do it, because it's incredible the number of good people who cross your path at the right time to help you. And I'm not a particularly religious person, but I believe that when you commit to a a vision or um, an act of service, There are other people there who are just waiting to be maybe led a little bit or to do it alongside somebody. So that's what I found with this, is that this is, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. If Tea Leaf uh, Trust is the child, then by God, we've had an incredible village help us uh, raise this to this point.
0: Tim, let's talk about how people can help Tea Leaf Trust. How can they come along side of tea leaf trust tea leaf vision how can they be a part of what you're doing and i want to tie that in immediately to this concept of the finances you you hinted at it that you may have something there that's a little different than what people might expect is there a way for viewers to contribute financially and is that something that you guys want and what are the other ways that people can help
1: any charity that says they're not looking for financial support is probably not pushing themselves hard enough as a charity so we we definitely we're definitely looking for financial support whether that's a small regular monthly donation to help us plan better for the future or whether that's you know a huge amount of money dropped once or anywhere in between that's that's all great with us and that can happen through the website the interesting piece for me is Let's not um, sit there with our cuppa and feel bad. Like, you know, the cuppa serves a good, important purpose in people's lives. I don't know if cuppa is a North American term, cup of tea. We sit there, don't we, and we, we have this great, we have great moments that center around a cup of tea. But also let's acknowledge the fact that the story of tea, particularly when it comes from the big corporates, is a, is a difficult one. So first of all, awareness raising. Is is something that anybody I think can do. Uh, the other thing is, you know, we do like to hear from people who have different skill sets um, in terms of volunteering. You know, anything around digital, digital strategy and stuff like that. I guess would be in a pandemic where we're really trying to put some of our attention. And in future days, you know, we see a light at the end of the tunnel, and hopefully, it's not someone with a torch bringing us more bad news. Hopefully, it's actually the light at the end of the tunnel. And if it is, come and see these wonderful kids. Come out and see Sri Lanka, which is a beautiful country, but don't dismiss the tea country. You know, put a few days inside your holiday to actually come and give back. Because the richness that you're going to get out of that experience of actually scratching under the surface, is it will be the highlight of your trip, you know, more than the elephants and the incredible history and the beaches and the whales and all of that other stuff and the food. Oh my god, the food. Above and beyond all of that, it's the people that make Sri Lanka the place it is.
0: Tim Pear has been my guest today here on the Edge of Adventure. And he is co-founder at Tea Leaf Trust. Go to tealeaftrust.com tleaftrust.com. You can also find them across social media, and I will put all those links at theedgeofadventure.com. Just to keep it easy, you can find all of that and get in touch with them there as well. Tim, I am thankful for people like you. You know, I, I'm just getting to know you today, but I, I'm thankful that you care about the people behind the products that we see and use and will continue to enjoy, but there's more to life than that. And it's important to remember the people and the individual's struggle and their own plight. You think about the world and the uh, sheer amount of need that is out there. There is so much need and not a one of us can fix that. Not a one of us can you know, erase that need globally, but we can all do something. And that's what I love about this opportunity that I have on the Edge of Adventure is to get to talk to people like you who decided to do something and you know what that matters and so tim thank you for that please give my best to your family and be thinking about you in the days ahead i know that you're eager to get back and see the folks in sri lanka that you love so much
1: thank you it's been a real pleasure i really enjoyed it and be safe everybody
0: my name is adam asher and you've been listening to the edge of adventure podcast to learn more, log on to theedgeofadventure.com. And while you're there, check out the video series where we go off the grid to discover some of the great things people are doing all around the globe to make the world a better place. I call it my search for adventure and purpose. You'll find us on social media too. Just look for the hashtag #TheEdgeOfAdventure. Thanks for joining us. Always great to have you with us as together we aim to live life for something bigger than ourselves. This is The Edge of Adventure, where we go beyond status quo.